hey, boys and girls, it's me, it's me, it's Bobby D. Hanging out with you one more time. And we're going to actually be talking about WWE's Friday Night Smackdown. That's right, September 17th episode of the Smack It Downeth show. And we're going to give it a grade at the very end. We're going to decide if it gets an A, a B, a C, a D, or an E, or even a dreaded F. We're going to be talking about all the ups, the downs, the flips, and the flops. And we're going to go through it. Episode by episode, match by match, segment by segment, until we get to the end. So here we go. Let's kick it up, kick it off, and kick it out. Hit the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, guys, gals, dames, and dolls. That's right. It's the Big Irish Wrestling Show Podcast. Let's kick it up, kick it out, kick it on with your host, the one, the only, Bobby D. Hey, hey, boys and girls, it's Bobby Raleigh, a.k.a. the Big Irish Show from the Big Irish Radio Show, and let's talk SmackDown. Let's September 17th, WWE Friday Night SmackDown. Yeah, it was a good show. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll honestly come right out and say it. It was a good show. You know that. You know how that goes. We're going to give it a grade at the end, and we're going to give you tell you all about it. We're going to tell you about all the segments. We're going to talk all about it. So, uh, you, you know, here's the bad part about it. Um, first segment right off the bat was the introduction to the show. But the problem is, is we found out that there was going to be a show in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel. Which, follow, which is after this next pay-per-view. And, of course, the show is featuring Roman Reigns versus the Beast, Brock Lesnar. Now, look, number one, I, 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 I don't mind the fact that they've done these, but every one of the, the, of the crown jewel events has sucked. I mean, they're horrible. They're bad. They're not worth watching. And you kind of gave away the gimmick or the, or the plan here when you automatically say, we're going to have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. Where you're, you're promoting a pay-per-view after the current pay-per-view that's coming up. And then you're trying to backtrack during the episode saying, well, that's if, if, if M. Beller doesn't beat him. But we've done all this promotional idea. And we're selling tickets based upon, I mean, come on, guys. This is Booking 101. You don't promote the show after the show. What the hell? Why would you write your card that far in advance? It makes zero sense. And this is the big, this is one of the problems that I have with WWE right now is <laughs> they're writing shows and booking shows and putting shows out there into the public eye, telling you what's coming next, which kind of defeats the purpose of the next show. I mean, come on! Yep, I'm giving that little bitty segment an F. Because you kind of shot yourself in the foot, guys. I mean, let's be honest. You shot yourself in the foot by prom promoting the... Crown Jewel event. So, coming off of the Crown Jewel episode, which is what I'm going to call this from now on because it was WWE being WWE stupid, which seems to be the case nowadays. But, 
The opening segment was actually pretty good. I liked the Roman Reigns Usos bloodline plots. It was really, really good. And when you open a show with Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and the Usos, you've just got magic. I mean, it, it's the best storyline they have going right now. Yes, we ended. The, yes, WWE for, has tried for years to shove Roman Reigns down our throat. They should have let Roman Reigns go heel a long time ago. The heel look is what's perfect for him. This bloodline storyline is going great, and they're keeping the storyline going. They're keeping them in character. They're not immediately changing them up, and they're not immediately having them backstab each other. And that's one of the biggest things about the bloodline storyline is it's actually relevant. It's one of the longest storylines WWE has put together in a very, 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 very long time that is not 30, 60, or 90 days old. So, you got to get up. So, we get we get Roman Reigns, we get the Usos, of course, doing this the introduction to WWE SmackDown. It is, of course, his show, that tribal chief. And, of course, he gets in the ring, and we're talking about respect, and we are talking about acknowledging him, and that crowd didn't. <laughs> they kind of let him down. Uh, so, and, and I think this was actually still planned anyway, and I don't think they piped any, any sound, which also helped, because normally when WWE does a segment where they want somebody to acknowledge somebody or they want somebody to do something and they want crowd noise, they'll just pipe it in, whether the crowd responds or not. Hey we'll, just, hey, we'll just throw some sound in here and see how it goes. Well, in this episode or this this spot, they didn't actually do that. I think that's because they had planned on not having it. In fact, I think they actually kind of turned the sound down for TV purposes, so he didn't get that much of a response. Because um, you could see the crowd actually responding, but you couldn't hear it, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to me. So go back and watch the spot. You'll actually see Vince McMahon's universal I'm going to control this crowd sound type idea running around in the background. But even with that, the Bloodline segment was great. When he didn't get the acknowledgement he wanted, he handed the microphone over to that most, most ultimate speaker which apparently I, i'm trying to talk for paul Heyman, and i can't speak um paul Heyman is just eloquent um i i i love paul Heyman. i will always be a paul Heyman guy i love him on a microphone he's one of the best promos ever he can he can just he can just knock it out of the park and this one was one of those this was one of those syncophatic Oh, God, I love you, my my tribal chief. This is a love letter to you and how everybody else should feel about how you do things. And yet, you know, they really played it up. Um, And at the end of this, then we had the interruption. And the interruption was Big E because Big E is still a part of SmackDown. And he is now the uh, world heavyweight champion, you know, beating Bobby Lashley. So he comes out, and he is just being his absolute joyful self. He is really enjoying having this title. And what do you know? The outfit matched the belt. I mean, <laughs> it was absolutely awesome. I love the New Day. I am, I am a big fan of the New Day. I love Big E. 
Biggie is the this was the one time I think WWE actually listened to the fans because now we have a baby face champion out here that we can get behind and we can have some fun with. If you look at all the major p- promotions right now, all the champions are heels. It kind of kills me um, that we really don't have any baby faces as champions, and eh, we'll see. <laughs> So, Biggie comes out having a grand old time. He steps in the ring. He steps up to Roman Reigns. He raises up the belt. Reigns raises up the belt. And bam, here comes Finn Balor. Okay. So, Finn Balor's coming out. And he's headed down to the ring. And then we cut to a commercial. And then we come back from the commercial. And guess what? We're in the ring. And we have a sanctioned match made. Between Big E and Finn Balor versus the Usos. And it's a contenders match. And what? Where did this come from? This came out of... Now, now don't get me wrong. The match itself was great. I, I would grade the match by itself with nothing else around it. These four guys in the ring at a B. I would give it props, props, props. The setup to this was what the hell just happened? Because we come out, Biggie's dancing around. He's having a good time. Finn Balor comes out. The next thing you know, we have this sanctioned match. And it's like, what the hell is happening? At what point did this change? At what point did we decide to do this? I mean, I kind of get it because you want Big E, the new champion, to be showing off in front of the tribal chief and yada, 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 yada. But what happened? There's no story there. Did the writers just say, eh, I don't know, we'll put him in a match? I mean, come on, guys. WWE Creative needs to figure things out and they need to get on the ball and they actually need to start writing something. What the hell? hell was this so for the match itself i'm gonna give it a b the b it was a good match it was a very good match it was very exciting it was very fun um the script behind it and why we got here and how come we had the match dude i'm gonna slap this with an f i mean it made zero sense whatsoever and it's completely nutsoid why did this happen Nobody knows. So, segment two. Segment two. Oh, God, I love the interactions. Anytime you get Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman on the set, it's absolutely awesome. Now, I'm going to say something here. I don't know which point in time they decided that they needed to have people watching TV at really awkward angles. (laughs) It just makes me laugh every time I see it. And here's the big thing about it. I, I don't think it was so prevalent until uh, the Young Bucks kind of made fun of them for doing so. Um, and now every time I watch a WWE segment where they're watching either the Monitor or the Jumbotron or uh, they're sitting in a chair three quarters, of, they're always turned three quarters of the way toward you and they're looking back over their shoulder so they can look at the TV and watch what happens. Oh, good effing Lord. (laughs) 
Why? Why do you have to show what they're watching on TV? Just turn them towards the TV and go on with the segment. Come up from behind of the TV. Have it in a reflection in the mirror. There are so many creative ways that you can show what's on the TV without showing what's on the TV and make it make sense that this three-quarter view is just absolutely horrendous. And, of course, we have to start it right there. Now, here's the big thing. The only one that was in the three-quarter view was Roman Reigns because you basically had Paul Heyman facing the TV head-on the way you would normally watch an episode. He was being syncophatic. Of course, he was, do he was doing his ass-kissing thing. And you've got Roman Reigns sitting here, and he's already pissed off at the fact that uh, Jimmy and Jay just lost this match. <laughs> so he's pissed off at the TV. Now he's talking to, to, to Paul Heyman, and now he's asking Paul Heyman questions about the beast Brock Resler and whether or not he knew that he was going to be at the other pay-per-view. And, of course, Paul's, no, my tribal chief, I didn't know said, well, is he going to be at the next one? He said, no. How did you know, Paul? <laughs> Ooh, is he old against 22? Here's the thing. Paul Heyman in this role is perfect. He's awesome. He's great. Whether he's being the wise man or he's being the advocate, for Brock Lesnar. He's being the wise man to the tribal chief. It doesn't matter. It's it, These segments are gold. These segments are perfect. And here's the funny part about it. The way they have set this up, you don't know what's going to happen next. So this segment, I'm sorry, I'm going to give it an A. Anytime you have this interplay between Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, it's just absolute gold. And here's the thing. It's not Roman Reigns that's making it gold. It's Heyman. Heyman is the one that's doing this. And I'll be honest, it, this, this the whole tribal chief thing would not fly without Heyman. Now, can Reigns pick it up later after Heyman leaves? Because I'm, I'm telling you right now. There's going to there's gonna be a fallout between Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman's going to go back to Brock Lesnar, and Brock Le he's going to go back to being the advocate for Brock Lesnar, and then we're going to get the wisdom of words and battle of words, or whatever you want to call it, but I, I, I can't wait to see whether Reigns can actually hold up the end of this tribal chief thing without Paul Heyman. That's just my thoughts. What's your thoughts? Do you think he can actually do it? Do you think he can hold on to that? We'll find out soon. I'm going to give this segment an A, though. And now we are on to the next segment. Of course, you end up with Rick Boogs, you know, the guitar player for Shinsuke Nakamura. Sorry, I had to do it. It was one of those things I've been waiting to do it and make it sound great. No, sorry. Uh, Rick Boogs, yeah, he, he started out as a guitar player, electric guitar player for Shinsuke Nakamura during his entrances. My name is Rick Boogs, and I'm ready to rock with the king, Shinsuke Nakamura! Yeah, 
that introduction. I loved the introduction and the way they were doing this. Um, now they've taken Rick Boogs and put him in the ring a little bit more. And this is like his third match. And he's won all three of these in less than four minutes. I think he's getting a little bit of, of a push. Um, yeah, it was quick. Um, started off with Bobby Roode just beating the living crap out of him. And then all of a sudden he's turned it around and knocked Bobby Roode down. And what what is the deal with, with Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler? Roode and Ziggler are some of the most talented wrestlers I think they've got on the, on the brand. Yet they can't get a friggin' push for the life of them. Every time they start to get a push, they get shoved back down to mid-card. And then they get shoved all the way down to the bottom. I mean, who did Dolph P.O.? I mean, at one point you had Dolph Ziggler with Big E as his bodyguard. And you had A.J. Lee as his girlfriend. And that was an awesome team. And now you've got them basically jobbing out to new people. You don't ever, it, it, once again, Dolph Ziggler is, there's no reason to watch a Dolph Ziggler match because he's going to lose. I mean, that's just the way it is. And now it's become the same thing with Robert Roode. Robert Roode's kind of the same way. When you, if you stick Robert Roode in a match, you can more than likely 85% of the time expect him to lose. And he's really a good wrestler. That's the bad part about it. He can actually perform really well. Um, Rick Boogs wins. Yay. Three minutes, maybe, <laughs> max. Um, and then you had General Aziz and Apollo Cruz show up like magic. They just, they just kind of appeared and proceeded to beat down Boogs and Nakamura. And of course, uh, this is another. Uh, why? Where? Where from? How did this happen? See, this is the problem. Uh, did they just slide out from underneath the ring and start beating them up? You didn't see them come running down. You didn't see them come doing anything else. Uh, suddenly, here they are. Bam! They're back in the mat. They're they're back at the ringside area, and they're just beating the crap out of them and saying, I want my Intercontinental Championship back. Ugh, bad writing, WWE. Sorry. Uh, you, you don't really need to do something about your writers. Um, I, it, it, creative is just horrible. Um, there are there are some flashes of inspiration, but then you get crap like this. And crap like this is the problem of why people don't watch WWE anymore. Point blank and simple. Um, the match, I'm going to give a C because it just it wasn't anything major. I'm going to give the... the, the Outside ring play from Aziz and, uh, yeah, whatever his name is. This is how much he interests me. I can't even remember his name at this point. Um, Apollo Crews. Um, I'm going to give it an F. I mean, it was just bad. It, it made no sense. It didn't fit a storyline. It didn't do anything. It, it didn't even start a feud. I mean, you could have started a feud in so many other ways other than having them suddenly appear like magic at the ringside area and beat the heck out of them. But that's just my opinion. You never know. I could be wrong. <laughs> All right, on to the next segment. Kevin Owens versus Happy Corbin. Let's, <laughs> I am a big fan of Kevin Owens. Uh, I love Kevin Owens. Uh, I love Kevin Stein. Let me rephrase. 
I, I will be glad when Kevin Owens gets the hell out of WWE so they can quit jobbing him out. Um, I think it'll be great when he gets back into something else and you know it's coming because he's not going to stay long, especially the way they're treating him. Uh, let's talk about the Happy Corbin character for a minute. Um, what the hell? <laughs> what is the what is the point? I mean, we just literally did this same character arc in NXT. Um, yeah, it, uh, Cameron Grimes, the million dollar whatever the hell he is now. Um, it was literally the exact same character arc. He was down in his luck. He wasn't making anything. He suddenly made his, he went away for a while. He made his millions off of a lottery or something along those lines, came back and he was great and he was rolling in the money. And then we brought in Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, and went on with it. You know, it was a great segment, great setup. And now we're trying to do it with Baron Corbin. Okay, this is the same Baron Corbin who has gone through like four incarnations in the time that I've watched him. And he he's just horrible. <coughs> corporate Corbin. Let's talk about corporate Corbin. Then you had the you know, you started off with the Lone Wolf, then you ended up with Corporate Corbin. And then you ended up with uh, uh, this this new character where he was down in his luck and he couldn't afford anything and his shirt was stained and he was, oh my, ever-loving aching tail. I, I hated that segment. And now we have the man who has rose from the ashes. He's Happy Corbin. Not only is he Happy Corbin, but look at the hat he's wearing in this episode. Uh, reminds you of Pharrell Williams, uh, the, the guy that actually does the song Happy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, well, we were supposed to have a match between Kevin Owens and Happy Corbin. And we even had this big setup for it. We had this great introduction set up where they were interviewing Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens is saying how he's going to whoop his tail and he's going to be happy and he's going to turn his smile upside down or his frown upside down. And he was going to make Happy Corbin's smile go the other way. And as he was headed to the, as he was headed to the 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 ring down the entrance ramp, here comes Baron Corbin or Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin comes down and just whoops the crap out of Kevin Owens, and so we didn't get a match. Um, setup not bad. Uh, I'll give it a C. Uh, the setup was really good because you actually anticipated having a match. Uh, the rundown, the beatdown. Yeah, I'm just not big on Baron Corbin. I'm never going to be big on Baron Corbin. You get him, you put Baron Corbin in any segment, and it's going to get a lower rating from me just because I don't like Baron Corbin. And I really hate this this down on his luck, and now he's happy, and now he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. At least when you had him as the lone wolf, he was a badass. He's, he's now just kind of a, yeah. That's the only way that I can think of it. So, um, and, and even with even with Kevin Owens, Kevin Stein, uh, in the match itself, or, or in the non-match itself, uh, it didn't do much to bring it back up. I'm going to give the segment a C. Uh, I, I can't fault it all the way down just because of it was a good setup. The it, the 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 interview ahead of time was awesome. Kevin Owens just all. And we're off to the next section. Um, anytime that you have anything that involves Paul Heyman is just absolute gold. And <laughs> even just a little interview and the interplay that they have between Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman is friggin' classic, man. Um, you have Paul Heyman walking down the hallway 
Caleb Braxton, Paul! And Paul jumps out of his skin as if he's scared to death. And he turns around and he can, starts to verbally berate Caleb Braxton for stalking him. Um, and why don't you leave me alone, you know? And Paul Heyman turns to, turns to walk away and boom! <laughs> There's Big E. So now you have, now, now WWE is giving you all the reasons that we are thinking just along the same lines that everybody else th is thinking. The reason that Big E went after, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't think of his name. I hate it when that happens. Um, <laughs> the reason he went after the WWE championship was the fact that a number one, he couldn't beat Roman Reigns and B he couldn't reigns and that was the smartest thing he could have ever done and yeah so paul Heyman's basically saying everything that we the wwe universe is thinking yes it's perfect and then this is when i talk about that long-running storyline because as soon as that part was over bam the usos are there doing the bloodline thing Bam, beating down Big E. Just beating the crap out of him. Throw him throwing him through pipes, throwing him onto a, a wooden stretcher, uh, well, a wooden box, and just literally kicking the crap out of him. Beating him in the head, kicking him, kicking him, just beating the crap out of him. And what was great about this was as you panned, as they panned up from WW or from uh, 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 Big E, and they looked up, and you're looking at the Usos. Who should come strolling through? Roman Reigns. So, yeah, this was done at the behest of Roman Reigns. And, yeah, it was a great segment. It Again, anything that Paul Heyman seems to touch, it, it, it becomes gold. And it's it was another one of those great segments. And I think a lot of that is because of, of Paul's promo work. I mean, you ca you got to give the man credit. That's just all there is to it. Yes, I am a Paul Heyman fan. Before you even ask me if I'm going to continue to say I'm a Paul Heyman fan, I'm going to continue to tell you I am a Paul Heyman fan. So, yeah, this one gets a B. I'm, I'm going to give it a B. Um, I'm not so much on the back, backstage beatdowns because WWE has done it forever, but we're going to give it a B just because <laughs> the interplay between Caleb Braxton and Paul Heyman was just classic. So if, if you if you're gonna watch anything at all of this entire episode, yeah, you need to watch this segment right here just because of 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 those that that interplay between him and Kayla. And let's move forward, boys and girls. Let's talk about the walking thermal blanket that was Seth frickin' Rollins. <laughs> you know, say here's the thing about Seth. Seth I think Seth is the way they're portraying him is they're making him completely off of his rocker. Um, when you look at it, you see everything that they're doing. They are having a lot of fun with this. You end up with Seth walking out in in different in different suits that I honestly think he's trying to make uh, the characters of an AEW make fun of him now. I think the the more the suits get out, the the more outrageous his suits get. I think he's trying to get them to copy him and mimic him so he can laugh his tail off because he did the paint splatter and then they did the paint splatter and he did this and then they did this uh and they were all making fun of him but this this one has got to be the the most 
outrageous suit I've ever seen him in. And he did. He looked like a, a, a walking thermal blanket. I mean, that's the only way that the only way to look at it. It's completely silver. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy, man. Uh, so Seth Rollins, yeah, Seth Rollins in the in the ring talking about Edge and how he is stomp. He when he did it, he heard a crack and he thinks that Edge is done. And if Edge isn't done, he needs to come back and he's gonna do it again. So yeah, it was it was a cute segment. It was it was a little bit too long, uh, too drawn out. I think they gave it too much time. Uh, but overall, I would have to give it a C. I mean, this segment was really good. Um, he even made it sound at one point. He said, you know, that feeling when you step on a bug or a cockroach and you don't know it's actually that and you feel it crunch and you feel it snap. That's kind of what it felt like. So he gave you not only a visual clue, but he gave you this mental clue of uh, what it feels like if you step on a bug. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think that Edge, of course, Edge is supposed to be at home recuperating the edge the edge and seth rollins match was actually pretty good i actually liked it um that was from the pay-per-view but this is uh, it's not bad i i'm actually enjoying the episode so far Ah, this 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 one went on just a hair bit too long and i think we could have done it a little bit quicker but of course that's not me and i'm not a WWE superstar. I'm just a lonely guy giving his lonely opinion about wrestling. Uh, about a man's operatic, I'm going to beat you up wrestling show. Okay, so next segment is really simple and really easy. You had Becky Lynch, the man, dressed in yellow. A banana, maybe? Bumblebee? Something along those lines. Talking about homecomings and how she's never been to a homecoming. And, yeah, it was a really fun segment. I mean, it wasn't anything to write home about. And, of course, you know, if you're going to say it, maybe she'll come out and interrupt. Yeah. It's going to happen. So, yeah, if you do it in professional wrestling and you say it about an hour beforehand, yeah, you're probably going to do it. Let's talk about the next match, though. What the hell were the writers thinking? First of all, Let's talk about Tony Storm. Where the hell has she been? <laughs> we haven't seen Tony Storm in forever, and now suddenly she's back up on our screens for zero reason whatsoever in the most bizarre pairing of a tag team, a woman's tag team match ever. Tony Storm, Liv Morgan versus Zelina Vega. And Carmella, at what point did we take this to this level and say, yay, this will be smart? What the hell? There's not even a storyline here, man. If this, oh my God, I hate, you know, there is just something about WWE bookings that make no freaking sense in the ending. Oh, I love Tony Storm. I love Liv Morgan. I think the two of them are great. I do not lie. I am not a fan of Zelina Vega. I'm never going to be. She's just, she's one of those that, hey, I'm firing you and I'm rehiring you. Why? I don't know. That's how that ended up. Carmella, very good wrestler, can do, I do not like this new gimmick. She has the most beautiful woman in the world. 
I liked her moonwalking, trash-talking persona. It was better. She could have kept that and went heel with it. No problem. It would have been great. This new, I, me, projects back to the Divas days. And it's just horrible. And what the hell was the ending of this? Liv Morgan grabs Carmella and slams her into a turnbuckle. Liv, or, uh, Carmella races out of the ring yelling that her nose was broken. And we ignore the entire rules for everything that we're doing. And we just take the count out. That's how it ended. And then we get on the mic and we run our mouths and we say, oh, I'll beat you in here, 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 here. And then Valina, Selena Vega jumps into the middle of it. Next thing you know, we're back in the trainer's room. We're looking at this, and Carmella reveals she doesn't have a broken nose at all. Oh, my ever-loving What? Why? What is the point? WWE, what the hell are you doing? F, 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 all day long, F. This was the stupidest segment I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, here's the thing. WWE doesn't feature that much women wrestling any anyway, even though they've had their woman's revolution. What the, the, uh, You just knocked them back about three centuries. What the hell was this? Women's revolution. Good God, googly goo. F, 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 F. Sorry, I hated this segment. The segment sucked. All right, so on we go to the next Next segment, which I guess for the lay uh, person watching WWE, you don't know about Finn Balor and his inner demon, and this was this has been something he's done since NXT. The demon is the section or the the person which he calls on when he just can't be beat or he needs to actually beat someone and he can't be defeated in this persona. So Finn Balor is bringing out the demon to face Roman Reigns at the next pay-per-view. Now, here's the question. This persona that Finn Balor has has never been defeated in NXT or in any other area. And he's always been this this personification of the way that Finn explained it the very first time in NXT was it was a manifestation of the Irish gods in him because he's from Ireland and it was great and I loved it. They changed it. They Somebody else must have wrote this script for him because it was completely boring. It made no sense. It was, this is my inner demon, and ah! Maybe it's because I've already seen the segments of how he put it together the first time. I think that this was done really, really badly. Um, I was not impressed with how they did the demon segment. Um, the visuals were kind of cool, but yeah, uh, the rest of it really wasn't. So, um. For the layperson who's never heard anything about Finn Balor or the Demon, yeah, I can see this being a cool setup. Um, but for those of us who kind of grew up with, you know, have watched NXT and seen Finn Balor come through NXT into WWE and win his first championship and everything else, we already know he's going to lose. That's the thing. 
we already know he's going to lose this match. So they're basically sacrificing the 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 demon persona of Finn Balor to the tribal chief. I mean, I, I I'm going to I'm going to guesstimate and say that's what's probably going to happen at this point. Uh, so they're destroying this this cool bit of nostalgia from the NXT days, <laughs> just like they're destroying NXT. Uh, and if you want to hear more about that, go listen to the other episode where I talk about WWE's NXT 2.0. Yeah, just me. Anyway, Finn Balor, the demon, facing Roman Reigns. Um, it was an okay segment. I'll give it a C. All right, so this next segment just friggin' floored me. Here's here's the thing. WWE. If you're going to do this, get it consistent across the board. Because it made no sense. <sighs> Naomi. Complaining about not being in, in, putting in her match and that she's already had a better career than, than, than the GM and this and that and the other. And WWE finds her for using harsh words with management. Really? Has has WWE not watched the episodes? Have, has anybody not paid any attention over the last six months? How many times? Good God, Roman Reigns basically beat up a GM and never got fined. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> Come on, get some consistency. This is the thing about this. There's no consistency in this show at all, ever. Nothing. We find Naomi for talking harshly to a member of management, but we can let WWE superstars literally beat up GMs. Really? <laughs> Here's the thing. Set, Make a set of rules. These are the rules. These are the rules that we are going to follow within this corporation, within this entertainment, within this entity, and stick to those rules and say that everybody is part of that. If you're going to actually say, Naomi, you're being fine for speaking harshly to management, then anyone who walks up to Sonia Deville and, and Adam and says, Make me a match or I'm going to beat you up. Gets fined. If you stand over the top of them and go, you're going to give me the match. Are you kidding me? There's no consistency. And this is the problem that I have as a fan. As a fan. I'm a fan. Make it right. I'm not a super fan. I'm not a I know every move out of the box. I'm a regular, everyday, common fan. But when you give me crap like this, it sucks. F, 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 F. I mean, come on. I can understand there being a, is this going to be Sonya Deville's coming back into the match? Is it going to be her in-ring return or what? But if And you're going to set it up. But the fining crap? We, she was fined for speaking harshly to to management. Really? As a fan, that was stupid as hell. F. 
Sorry. <laughs> but I am enjoying the show. Kinda. Now we've got Dominic Mysterio versus Sami Zayn. Holy crap. Can we replay another match one more time, please? Can we have another three matches in a row? Three times in a row. We're, oh my, three weeks. I mean, come on. What the hell? I know they're building to something between Dominic and his dad. I know that they're probably going to have Dominic get mad at his dad and them fight or them have a match or something along those lines. But my God. The, the booking on this is just horrible. I mean, this is what we talk about. This is when we say we've seen these matches a million times before. I mean, what are we going to just keep it going and, and do it again next week? I swear to God, if SmackDown has another Dominic Mysterio versus Sami Zayn match, I, 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 I might, I don't know. I mean, Lord. And of course, Dominic lost. And that's three in a row that he's lost. I mean, I get that they're trying to build the kid up. But if you run into a brick wall 10 times, guess what? The 11th time when you run into that brick wall, it's not going to move. Might crack your head a little bit, but geez. <sighs> and now it's time for the go home segment of the show. And of course, we start that off with the ultimate, the one, the only, the big red machine himself. Glenn Jacobs, the mayor of Knoxville. And of course, he's coming out so that we can give Bianca Belair a good farewell. Or a good homecoming. Yes. And we're going to give him, we're going to bring him out. And we're going to put him in the, in the ring. And I love Kane. Don't get me wrong. Glenn Jacobs, I absolutely love Kane. I love the fact that he came out as a wrestler or came off of a wrestler and being a mayor and he went to as a politician and he just went from <laughs> one make-believe storytelling to another. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. But so here we are. We've got Kane. We've got Corbett Kane. We've got uh, Glenn Jacobs. And he gets in the ring and we're just having a grand old time with this. You know, there's balloons everywhere. Everything's red, orange to match Bianca Belair. And he gets in and he raises his hands and boom, he sets off the pyro. <laughs> yes. Kane is back. Choke slam somebody. Sorry. Nope, he didn't do that. But <laughs> so then we bring Bianca Belair out. They have this big moment about her being a superstar in her hometown and coming back and how they're going to give her the key to the county, not to the city, to the county. It's a bigger key. <laughs> yes, a bigger key for her. And boom. What do you know? Yeah. It, Boom, here comes Becky Lynch. Now, come on, guys. I mean, my God, can we not? WWE has this thing about if you're in your hometown and you're getting all this adulation from your hometown, we have to destroy that at some point. When was the last time that a WWE superstar, A, won in their hometown, or B, didn't get made to look like a fool in their hometown? When did we, when did it become okay to stop celebrating, celebrating people in their hometowns? I mean, my God, what, what are we going to hate the, the person even better because they embarrassed her in her hometown because we do it to every one of them, everyone. 
you don't see it anymore. And, and that's the here's the thing. Want to oh, a breath of fresh air? Yes, I'm going to talk about AEW for a minute because we just had that happen in AEW. You had them come in. You had the two Cincinnati boys come in and beat people up because they were in their hometown. One saved another. I mean, it was awesome. It was great. Everybody loved it. You could have anti- you could have guessed that this was going to happen. Just from the fact that they said, it's a homecoming from for Bianca Belair. So we have to have the bad guy, the heel, come out and embarrass her in her hometown. God bless. So at some point, at some point, we're going to do something different in WWE. Or they're going to continue to lose ground. And they're going to continue. So finishing up ups and downs. Finishing left and rights, flips and flops, and doing all that good guy stuff for uh, WWE SmackDown September 17th. You've heard my opinions. You've heard my grades. And all in all, I think I've got to give this one a C. It was was a little bit better than most of the SmackDowns here lately, which I think have been rolling on a D. Um... If they would clean up some segments and get some better writers in there I th- and, and actually write some more long-term stories, I think that they could improve the product a lot. They're going to have to quit being so lazy in the process. But that's, of course, just my opinion. I could be wrong. It's me, it's me, it's Bobby D. Back with you for the Big Irish Radio Show. And, of course, this is the Big Irish Wrestling Podcast. And we just wanted to say thank you to everybody. Thank you to our sponsors. And thank you for those of you that hang out with us and just chill out listening to my dulcet tones as I tell you all about this super super opera that we call wrestling. Till next time, guys, have an awesome day and enjoy everything around you.